Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I am your host, and I'm excited to have as my guest today, Frank Niederdorf. Now, Frank's a longtime friend, but here's the official bio. So an early love for graphics brought Frank online 25 plus years ago, which led him to consume a vast knowledge in marketing, conversion, design, and various types of web technologies. That information led to becoming a serial entrepreneur, author, coach, trainer, and that one web guy. Frank's the founder of Yurpal.com, that's Y-U-R-P-L, which is an online survey platform, as well as co-founder of PayBlue.com, as well as other online services. Frank's primary objective is to elevate the online success of authors, speakers, and small business owners by enhancing their digital presence and boosting organic traffic. Welcome, Frank, to the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Thank you, Brett, for having me today. Well, I'm excited to have you here. So as we mentioned, you know, Frank goes back a long way in the online world. And Frank and I actually co-authored a book together several years ago called The 50 Biggest Website Mistakes. So I've known Frank for, gosh, probably close to 30 years, honestly. So we go we go back a ways, let's just say. So, you know, Frank has primarily been a behind-the-scenes guy like I was for many years. So... I know you've done a, a some speaking, Frank, not a ton, but you know what led you to the decision to want to you know, step out from behind the scenes, so to speak, and actually get up on that platform yourself. Well, like you, I felt that I had a unique view of what uh, others aren't seeing. You know, um, like you had the you know, back of the room sales and that type of thing, and of course, you know, helped you with the, some of those events, um, it, which allowed me to connect with other people. But, you know, uh, seeing things from a different point of view uh, allowed me to share with other people those type of things that uh, they normally wouldn't see. You know, being uh, a web guy, you know, I, I started way back uh, online before, even before Google was released, if you can imagine that. That's crazy to think. Damn your old Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, back then we had to figure things out your own own self. You know, I started with graphics uh, and uh, a love for um, genealogy and things like that. Uh, that I started putting online on on the website uh, way back in the 90s. Uh, so I had to learn how to figure that out. And I learned different things uh, in a different way that other people may not have. Mm -hmm. So sharing the experiences I did along the way. And, um, you know, I've been told that my training style is one that people can understand and relate to, uh, you know, in a non-techie way. So do you consider yourself more of a trainer, Frank, or more of a speaker? 
Uh, well, one kind of leads to the other. Uh, you know, I speak in front of people frequently, um, more in smaller groups these days than in, you know, um, traditional speaking events, providing either training or information. Um, I always had a passion or dream that maybe one day I could be a motivational speaker. I always thought that would be cool, uh, you know, because I always like to keep, you know, uh, people in a positive light. This is the way I, I believe things. And, uh, you know, I think people get further with a positive message instead of beating themselves up. Now, one of the things I know, Frank, is that, you know, early on in your speaking career, you very much battled nerves. And it <laughs> yes. was, you know, it was visible from the audience that you were battling the nerves or whatever. So have you overcome that? And if so, how have you successfully overcome the nerve component of being a public speaker? Well, some of it is just uh, my strength and faith. Um, getting over the fear that, uh, you know, there's that that uh, syndrome called the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, the fear of thinking that, you know, you'll be found out that you're a fake or a phony. Uh, and, you know, coming to the terms that it's like, I haven't gotten where I have gotten without knowing what I know. So if that makes any sense. So just becoming uh, more comfortable in those situations. Um, you know, I sing in front of people like karaoke. Uh, I'm on the worship team at church. You know, and it's like, well, if I can sing in front of people, surely I can talk about things that I know. Uh -huh. And uh, and of course, then there's the adage, you know, it's like, well, I'll never see these people again, most likely. So what does <laughs> what difference does it make? You know. So you know, let's focus on the training aspect of things because I know you do a lot of trainings for Armand Morin's Marketing University Group. Mm -hmm. And in your mind, Frank, what makes for a good training? What are the key components of doing a training that is truly effective for the students? Well, uh, I think one of the key things is don't assume that everybody knows everything that you're talking about. You start at a point where, uh, like if you're doing a specific training, you start as if anybody in the room doesn't know anything about what you're doing, but do it without a way of demeaning them, if that makes sense, uh -huh. you know, saying, well, we're going to start with square one so that everybody can catch up, you know, because I don't know what level or where anybody is either in their business or whether it be, you know, creating a website or in their, you know, um, I just had a meeting earlier where I was helping somebody get online, you know, and, you know, you don't assume that they know what a domain name is, or you don't assume that they know what hosting is, or um, you even, you know, payment processing and things like that, you know, some of the different things. Of course, I talk on many toppings, but you just don't think about, you know, don't assume anything, but you don't overcomplicate it. You know, you try to be clear, concise, but yet uh, don't use terms that might confuse them if you do explain what that term is. You know, like in the scenario, every, you know, you hear people talk about SEO. Well, many people think that that's a word. They don't understand that maybe it stands for search engine optimization or even what that means. So, you know, you think about those as you're providing training and be the same true when you're speaking, you know, when you're doing a presentation on, on either online or on stage, you know, don't assume that the people know the slang terms that are being thrown around in the industry today, you know, be very informative. Yeah. So that raises an interesting question in my mind, Frank, and that is whether you're going into a speech or into a training and you have an audience where maybe some people are at this level and some people are at this level and some people are at this level. How do you balance and decide what's too basic or not too basic and, and what level of content should you be delivering to an audience? Well, um, in a live audience, it's easier. Um, you know, a tip that I've always been told that, you know, when you're speaking to somebody live, you pick out a few people in the audience and you, you know, maybe somebody on the left, somebody to the right, you know, and people maybe just left to center or right to center. And, you know, you 
you make eye contact with them. I mean, that that means that you're engaging with the crowd because, you know, you're looking in general areas. But you also read the audience, you know, so that you can see if there's a puzzled look or if they're distracted, maybe they're not catching, you know, what you're saying. So you either reiterate, you kind of slow down, uh, maybe you use, you know, uh, simplify the terminology, uh, you know, and as you're preparing your presentation, no matter what it is, you think about uh, words that might get them hung up. You know, uh, I've heard of somebody say once before that they were reading a book. And they got to a word that they've never heard before, never seen, and it disassociated them so much that they quit reading the book. And I think that's true when we're preparing our, our presentation. If you get somebody to disconnect, um, then you've lost them from that point. So as you're delivering your pitch or your, not your pitch, your presentation, um, and you start to see that, then, you know, you have to either back up just a little bit and say, hey, wait, wait a minute, take a time out. Let's catch everybody up. Um, you know, and bring everybody up to speed, you know, and and think about that. It's a little more difficult when you're delivering a presentation online because obviously you can't see people's faces. Uh, you know, certain software will have um, a meter that shows, you know, attention levels and stuff like that. But uh, you just have to kind of play it by ear um, and just, you know, keep it simple. Um, well, that raises an interesting question again, and that is you do a lot of virtual training, certainly. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've done it many summits or not, but how do you modify a training or a speech for the virtual platform versus doing it in person? Um, generally, I try to keep it about the same, actually. I don't use terminology um, that would be, uh, you know, whether it be live or virtual, uh, there are certain things that when you deliver your presentation, you try not to say, well, look at this here, you know, it, because, you know, if you're creating an information product, look at this here in a written product wouldn't make any sense, you know, so, you know, so if you're looking at your screen, you'll see this and, you know, um, and that makes more sense, you know, in both platforms, whether you're being live or whatever, just like you're trying to describe something on stage, you know, you're saying that you walked into a room and on the right, you've seen this and on the left, you've seen that uh, type of scenario. So that's how I would handle that. Um, you know, and, you know, you talked about virtual seminars, you know, a lot of the videos that I've been, a lot of the training I've been doing lately has either been like on my YouTube channel, or as you'd said on, uh, you know, for different uh, groups. Okay. So, how many years do we have to go back to that first, let's say, official speaking engagement? Are we going 10 years ago, 20 years ago? How far are we going back? Oh, it would probably be 20 years ago. Um, I think my first speaking engagement was a, a small event on Okaloosa Island. I think you probably remember that one. Um, you'd sent me down to help with the back of the room because it was a smaller event. I took my family down to Willie Crawford's event. I think was probably my first one. I forgot you were at that event. I and, and then you spoke there too. Yeah, you had me work the back of the room, and Willie had me talk because Willie and I had actually did um, a teleseminar or two before that. Okay. It was before webinars. So, <laughs> well, then you did your first speaking engagement before I ever did my first speaking engagement, <laughs> man. So, all right. So, in my mind, Frank, there's three major types of speakers: the keynoter, the business builder speaker, and the platform seller. Which of those arenas have you played in, and which is your preferred arena? I don't think I've ever been a keynote speaker. Um, the business builder is kind of a, a good way to go, uh, you know, build your own business as well as help build other people's business. 
And of course, platform speaking is a little bit different animal. Um, you know, it's kind of like doing a webinar as well. But, um, you know, platform speaking it has an interest. You obviously make more profit that way. Uh, well, provided that you deliver well. <laughs> right. Um, so um, I would say the latter two, more likely. Okay. So I have a couple other questions I want to ask you, Frank. I want to dive a, a bit more deeply into your technical expertise, because that's your sweet spot, certainly. But before we get into those areas, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spot on a Speaking Show. My guest this episode is my good friend Frank Deardorff. So, Frank, you're a technical guru. I'm going to just call it as it is because Frank has helped me with so many things. And so as a speaker, there are a lot of tools that one needs to use to have a proper online presence. So let's talk about the whole online arena a little bit. And what are some of the tools that you might recommend that speakers check out for being more effective in developing their online presence? And also, what are some of the mistakes maybe that you see speakers make with their online presence? Well, um, some of the things that they should be doing is obviously focusing more on search engine optimization, uh, depending on what web type of websites they have, you know, making sure that they're using keywords uh, that are, you know, in their industry. I see so many people think about, well, they look at it from that they are their own customer, which necessarily they're not, as you well know. Um, if you're trying to deliver to speakers or uh, other people, you know, you want to make sure that you're using keywords or I use the term sometimes buzzwords because not everybody, you know, con has the concept of keywords. So buzzwords, you know, words that people use when they're putting in search engines, um, they may not be the same as yours. So there's tools that you can use to help find uh, those buzzwords or keywords, you know, and make sure that you implement them on your site. You know, I see a lot of people will post a picture or an image on their site. And if you go to look at the image, it may say uh, IMG five seven eight whatever dot JPEG dot GPG, mm -hmm. where in that case they should, if it, they're going to be using it online, they should actually rename that photo or that image to be uh, a short, uh, like a short uh, keyword rich word. You know, it may have like three or four words with dashes in between as the file name. Because uh, Google and the other search engines will actually pick that up, and that'll give you a leg up on your competitors because many of them don't do that. I'm as sure, well I'm, as I'm, adding sure a, I'm guilty of that, Frank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well as adding a title tag to it, and there's some things like that, but I don't want to get too techy there. Yeah. Um, other things that I see people do, uh, speakers included, is uh, creating uh, a way for them. Uh, uh, potential buyer uh, or somebody that's going to hire them to speak, a way to contact you, whether it be a contact form, maybe you have an opt-in form where they can download something or just, you know, to stay in contact with you. Uh, like with an author, I might recommend that they put like a chapter of their free, you know, of their book or whatever online. So people mm -hmm. could get a chapter to find out more about it, but you don't stop there. You know, you have the follow-up series, which, you know, is just a series of emails that you have automatically delivered over a period of, you know, maybe a week, 10 days, or even, you know, three weeks, depending, 
you know, that describes about what, what they just downloaded, you know, are they checking up on it? Did you have questions, you know, giving them the opportunity to follow up with you. All right. So certainly there are some other mistakes that people make online that you've noticed. And, you know, I'm going to ask you to pull one or two things from our book that are still relevant today yeah. for people who are doing websites. Well, of course, you know, uh, we see many things where, you know, processing through my head, just a little pause there. Do I think we actually have 52. We give them two bonus tips in that book, if I remember correctly. Um, I, think, I think you're right. Yep. So, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is uh, information above the fold, you know, which is in a newspaper. It was like when the newspaper was folded over, uh, you know, people would look at that front page and, you know, sometimes they'd even look at that before they bought it. You know, they would look at that front page. And it's like, was well, there any headlines that really grabbed my attention? And then they would pick up the newspaper and buy it. Same is true with your website. It's it's said that, you know, on your website, you have two to three seconds to grab somebody's attention. So you think about what's on that first screen when they come up, you know, everything above the bottom edge of your, of your monitor or display, you know, it could be phone or tablet or whatever. What information are they seeing? You know, with a mobile display, you have a lot less uh, real, real estate to catch them, you know, but, you know, uh, too many people have, you know, about them when they come to that first website, you know, hey, my name is John Smith and I sell books. That means nothing to them. What What is the thing that they're going to get from you from buying that book or hiring you to speak or, uh, you know, or by using your service? You have, you know, have to have a headline, subheadline, uh, you know, what uh, remedy are you going to give them right off off the bat would be the first thing that I could think of. All right, so we're talking about some of the mistakes that speakers commonly make on their websites. Let, let's roll back into your personal speaking journey, Frank, and maybe share, again, this is my favorite question, but you know, share something that you did along the way in your speaking career that was embarrassing at the time, but a valuable lesson was learned and something you would advise aspiring speakers not to do. Well, it's something that comes up. I laugh about it now, and I laughed about it then, not so much as it was happening, but you know, you always hear the story where the speaker goes over time. Um, you know, of course, a friend of ours, you know, did it like about 30 minutes over, um, you know, and they get, you know, which is a big no-no, you know, because you're you're stealing from the other speakers after you. In my case, I did the complete opposite. Um, I did my whole 90-minute presentation in about 30 minutes, you know, mm -hmm. um, and the situation was, you know, I'd got myself psyched up. I was actually the first speaker for the day, and I thought in my mind that, you know, um, knowing the event and things like that, that the uh, the person presenting the event probably wouldn't be on stage. I mean, he may have welcomed people, but I wasn't expecting him to introduce me um, as he had a um, MC for the event. So I figured the MC was going to come in. I just assumed the MC was going to come in and introduce me. And, you know, he and I had gone back even further than the speaker that I or the person hosting the event. So I was going to start off my presentation with how I met the per, the MC person um, and, you know, how we got connected and, you know, why I was here at the event, you know, you know, one thing led to another. And um, when it didn't happen that way, you know, I had this conceived uh, notion of how it was going to go when the host actually came out and interviewed me or, you know, introduced me, um, totally threw me off, totally me, you know, I, it, I wasn't planned or prepared for that. So I had to jump pretty much right into my presentation and with the nerves and everything that got the best of me, I just went way faster than I anticipated. <laughs> you know, being nervous, I talked too fast. 
I was waiting for the clock at the back of the room to say, you just have 30 minutes left. I, you know, of course, in my mind, I felt like I was taking forever and the, those numbers never come up. And I was like, am I doing something wrong or is the clock not working or whatever? And, you know, they're scrambling, trying to get the next speaker ready because they could tell I was wrapping up way before. Um, and it just <laughs> it was a, a whole different funny scenario that um, I hope nobody else has to feet, uh, face. Well, I, I have dealt with that kind of situation myself, Frank, so I, I appreciate where you're coming from. So what I'd like to do now is take a couple of minutes, if you would, Frank, to tell a little bit more people about what it is that you do specifically, how you might be able to help people and how they can get involved in your world if they would like to. You know, that's something, uh, you know, even those that know me close don't know what I do um, just because I do so many things online. Um what I do for others mostly is, you know, as Brett knows, um, I do, my passion is graphics. You know, that's what actually got me started online. I do a lot of graphics for people, whether it be book covers. Um, I've done some, uh, created some book covers for Brett um, as well, uh, as well as other authors. Um, I do websites for people, um, whether it be event websites or personal websites. I do a lot of coaching uh, to help people, the small businesses, uh, use better resources online or get found online better. Uh, of course, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I have a lot of endeavors that way. Um, I do a lot of training uh, on techniques and ideas and things like that, uh, you know, where the people are trying to make a little extra income on side. You know, I do some things like, um, you know, how to make coloring books or how to write a book, or um, there's a topic called low content publishing. You know, I do training on those type of things, just a wide range of things just because, uh, you know, my kids are moved out, you know, and I chase my grandkids when I get to, but um, I don't sit still very often. So there's just a lot of things I like to dabble in as well. So where should people go to get more information, Frank? Uh, the easiest is that one web guy.com. T-H-A-T-W-O-N-E-W-E-B-G-U-Y.com or by my name, of course, Frank com. Both go to the same place. All right, Frank, do you have a freebie or anything that we need to point people to at all online? Um, Not at this time. Uh, I planned on it, but... Uh, okay, I'm going to end at this particular section out then, so... Okay. All right, well, any final words of wisdom, Frank, for our listeners today before we wrap this episode up? Uh, one of the things I like to tell people is don't let technology get in the way of your success. Um, it's best to get something going um, and modify from there. Um, you can always improve on it. Um, just get something going. Uh, you know, um, you know, the biggest thing you can do is procrastinate and not get anywhere. All right. Well, I want to thank Frank so much for joining me today. I was excited to finally have you as my guest on the show. And as if always, everybody out there listening, I thank you for joining us today. Go on over to SpotlightOnSpeaking.com. Register with your favorite service to be notified of upcoming episodes. And as always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. And may this year be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, 
Our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.